0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler get! all. Oh, wow.
1: The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big man. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jayden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite kind of like Duncan. The crowd loves it. Pistons need a three, and they
0: have just other three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, what is going on? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by, I believe, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Joining you here, and we're coming off watching the Pistons drop 25th straight game. Falling tonight to the Utah Jazz, a final score of 119 to 111. Again, the Pistons' historic losing streak continues in what has been an absolute disaster of a season we're going to talk about the game the ramifications of this loss and the losing streak as a whole what it's causing to players like Kate Cunningham who had another big game but did so having to play 40 minutes we're going to talk about all that and more but before we do that I want to talk about our sponsor this week as always it's Bet Online. The only people that don't get time off this year are pro athletes and us over at Bet Online. With NFL bowl season and the NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to the second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports int- sports wagering info available that you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code Bleave. B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, our code believe B L E A V for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. It's as always very thankful to them for sponsoring our show this week. And Jasper, the Pistons, on the other hand, not a whole lot to be thankful for over there. 25 straight losses, you get the Utah Jazz at home, Utah coming in on a back-to-back without Larry Markkinen, without Taylor Horton-Tucker, without Jordan Clarkson. They were essentially trying to gift this game to Detroit tonight, and the Pistons still came up short. I mean, I don't know how else to... Qualify, quantify or qualify whatever describe this loss than just calling it an abject disaster it's just disgusting that we're sitting here on the verge of entering 2024 and the pistons have two wins they have lost 25 straight games and you look at their schedule and you don't know when the next win is coming they are the laughing stock. Of the city, they are the laughing stock of the state, they are the laughing stock of the National Basketball Association, and they are the laughing stock of all of professional sports. This is a total failure, and it is starts at the top and it runs all the way down. I do not know where to start because there's so much to say about this team. And there are so many things to look at and say, this is a problem, but it just continues to somehow get worse and worse. A new rock bottom is reached after every single loss, but with what Utah put on the court tonight and the opportunity that Detroit had at hand at home against such a shorthanded team, for them to come up short and just look so bad in those final closing minutes, it just gets
1: worse worse and worse uh, Aaron this is our Christmas episode and I- instead of coal in our stockings the Detroit Pistons decided to take a crap wrap it in a bow and throw it all over our Christmas tree you talk about this team being a laughing stock they are not I-, I can't even say they're an embarrassment they're humiliating it's, it's genuinely humiliating to watch this team on a nightly basis to get texts from my friends saying, Hey, maybe tonight'll be the night. And then afterwards going, well, <laughs> maybe next time it is. I, I, I've lived through the Owen 16 lions team. This is worse. This is genuinely more embarrassing than that. Uh, I, I don't want to get on here and rant and rave because that is, that indicates that there is something to be mad about. I don't even think there is anything to be mad about anymore. You, I've gotten to that stage of grief where I am just accepting it. This is a team that is owned by a philandering fraud, a man who has failed in just about every single business venture and personal venture he has ever engaged in. He is a man who takes zero responsibility, zero accountability, shows up drunk to games and on God knows what else. You have a a GM that is a coward, an absolute coward, hasn't spoken to the media. You have a coach that has actually gone from from taking this job for the money and not really caring about it to now actually... Like caring because he understands that what he's doing right now is probably going to keep him from getting another job in any professional sports organization ever again. He has embarrassed himself. He has absolutely taken that finals run that he took the Suns to and made himself look like the guy that kept them from winning the title. I, I don't know how else you can look at it. The players on this team are checked out. The ones that aren't checked out are shell-shocked. They look like they just got cracked from the trenches of World War One. They look like, you know, you ever see those pictures of guys who are like 18 years old and they go off to war and they come back six months later and they look like a 70-year-old man? That's what Cade Cunningham looks like sitting on the bench right now. You have a roster that makes no sense. You have, and I'm going to say it, you have beat writers, some of them who are, out there doing their job, but I'm sorry. They're not asking the hard questions after carrying water for this organization for the last four years of absolute abject failure. Failure. That is the only thing you can call this. Uh, Aaron, I got halfway through the third quarter and I turned to my girlfriend and I said, they're losing this game by 12. And guess what? They didn't. They lost by eight. That's only because Utah dribbled out the clock on their final possession of the game, and let Jaden Ivey score at the rim. That is the only thing that stopped them from losing this game by by double digits. By all realistic measures of of somebody who watches an NBA game, they got blown out to a team that was missing eight rotation players, Aaron. Eight. Eight rotation players. And you just said it. You look at the schedule and you go, where do they win their next game? The next one that they have any shot at any shot at is San Antonio. That is 10 games from now. We are looking at a team that is not just going to set the all-time losing streak for an NBA season, or (laughs) for that matter, across two NBA seasons. They're going to obliterate it. They are in danger of setting a record that will never be broken, ever, ever in the history of the nba from here on out until the sun expands in supernovas and blows everything in this solar system away which to be honest is honestly a far more preferable option than watching a pistons game at this point in time i I don't i don't even know what to say like can you break down the players for tonight can you even say anything about like monty williams coaching what is there to say at this point you all you can do is either laugh or cry well
0: here's the here's the problem right and 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 it's tough because the blame is on everyone and and I think you know Monty Williams when you're the head coach you get the bulk of it because you're the coach it's just how it seemingly always gone and you know you look at some of the decisions tonight Kate Cunningham played 40 minutes after playing 44 the other night against Atlanta. Tonight, another big game for him, 28 points, 10 assists, seven rebounds, a couple steals. Jaden Ivey played 35 minutes, hit 24 points, and seven assists, five rebounds. Had a horrible close, though, that we'll probably get into here at some point. Marvin Bagley had a good game. And then you bring back Isaiah Stewart, who, you know, I just I, I think it started when the Pistons announced their starting lineup and they went back to double bigs after looking, you know, pretty decent against Atlanta without Stewart and without Kelian Hayes and going with some more spacing and shooting and ball handling in the starting lineup. Uh and then they bring back Stewart. I mean, he's immediately back in the starting lineup, and Marvin Bagley stays in the starting lineup. But Stewart, you know, didn't have a big game by any stretch of the imagination. And then Bogdanovich played. 35 minutes himself and shot three 12 from the field. And, you know, it was very, very untimely for him to have the type of performance that he had tonight. But, you know, you look at that and, and the minutes that the starters played and, you know, I even tweeted out like Cade was on track at halftime to play 41 minutes. Again, he played 40 and that's just not sustainable. You're, you're talking about a guy coming off a long-term knee injury and, He's playing 44 minutes in 40 minutes. He's near the near the top, you know, I believe he's in the top 20 for minutes played per game this season. If he's not top 20, he's top 30. And he's, he's played better basketball over the last nine or 10 games. No doubt about it. The numbers say it just in terms of production and efficiency. But you look at the bench and you look at the production or lack thereof from the bench, and it's just hard to hard to look at Monty Williams and say you can't play Kate Cunningham that much you can't play Isaiah Stewart 32 minutes a night you have to get someone else on the court if Boyan Bogdanovich is shooting as poorly as he did tonight because you look at that bench and Isaiah Livers doesn't look like an NBA basketball player right now Alec Burks if he's not hitting shots is not an NBA basketball player right now James Wiseman is James Wiseman we really don't need to go into much detail there Asar Thompson, for as hard as he competes defensively, is severely, severely flawed offensively. And then Marcus Sasser got 13 minutes tonight. And, you know, he made a couple of shots, but he's a rookie guard, a little bit smaller, can only do so much. He's only going to help you so much. And then you look at who didn't play tonight that was active. Kevin Knox, who you brought in 15 games in the year, 20 games in the year, whatever it was, because he just needed a body. Joe Harris, who Troy Weaver decided to spend Detroit's cap space on, $20 million. Just sitting on the end of the bench, can't give you 15 minutes a night when the team desperately needs some shooting. And then you have the inactives. Killian, who is sick. Jalen Dern, who's been out. Monte Morris, who's been out. And then the two-way guys. Where do the changes come? Where? Because you could put Joe Harris in for Alec Burks or Isaiah Livers uh nothing changes doesn't get better might get worse doesn't get better you know do you hope Kevin Knox can come in and knock down a couple three-pointers off the bench maybe rebound a little bit uh the answers aren't there for Monty Williams I'm not giving him an out by any stretch of the imagination uh there's been some decisions that that have bugged me throughout the year but I look at this roster and I look at the way the guys are playing and I don't really know what he can do He, he can only play with the cards that he's dealt And this team is just so fundamentally flawed. And we said it going into the season that there were significant issues with this roster. And when you take away Jalen Duran, and you're not getting some of that production that we expected to get from Joe Harrison, maybe that was always stupid of us. Maybe it was stupid of us to expect a guy that was coming off a really bad season in Brooklyn where he wasn't healthy and didn't look like he had his legs under him and was shooting bad from the floor. Maybe that was stupid of us to believe that it was going to change and he was going to get back to some sort of form here in Detroit. But this these are the cards. Monty Williams has been dealt by Troy Weaver. And that is where my biggest issue is. I remember when the Pistons announced that extension for Troy Weaver. What was it last year? Maybe two seasons ago last year.
1: No, no, it was last year. I I think um I was listening to Be- Bill Simmons or, no, sorry, it's the You Know Ball podcast. Uh, I, I believe we just came up on the anniversary of his extension.
0: And I got killed. I got killed for saying, hey, maybe wait on that. Maybe that's a little bit premature. And I got told, look at how he's drafted. Look at the guys he's brought in. Look at the trajectory this team is on. If we get healthy, look at what's going to go. Look at what we're going to be. Kate Cunningham hasn't missed a game this year. Your star player. Has not missed a game this year, and we could say, "Oh, they just got Bat Bogdanovich, and they haven't seen Monte Morris yet, and Jalen Duren's been in and out." That doesn't matter. Teams are always without their guys. Every the the Jazz game. were without eight tonight. There it is. I I, I know I'm ranting, I, I, but there's a there's a point where you just have to, I guess, let it out. And what I'm seeing from the Pistons, it says that from the top down, pretty much everyone has to go. And I don't just mean the roster. It's the general manager. We had sell the team chance breaking out at the end of the game against Utah. You could hear it in LCA, nice and loud. They were coming through picture-perfect clear throughout the broadcast. People are frustrated. Fans are frustrated for how bad the Pistons are. This fan base still turns out for them every single night. Every single night. Whether it's at the game, on the TV, on social media, they show out because the city cares about basketball. There is a history with this franchise. There is a history in this state for good basketball. People care. And what the Pistons are doing is completely unfair to everyone that watches them. This is a disaster, and things
1: have to change. Aaron, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling. This organization, for a quarter of a century, for up until 2008, a 40% of the entire history of the NBA was one of the five best franchises in the entire league. You have gone from that to, again, I was sitting next to my girlfriend. She goes, why are you a Pistons fan again? That's a good question, baby. That's a really good question. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other people questioning that right now Um, because there is such a history and there have been so many incredible memories for me from my childhood that that were because of this team. I remember the Rasheed Wallace three-quarter court shot against um, uh, against the Denver Nuggets. I remember Chauncey Billups half-court shot uh, against the um, the New Jersey Nets in the playoffs. I remember winning the title. I remember being heartbroken over Robert Ory taking away that second straight title from that going to work Pistons team. I was in middle school the last time the Pistons won a playoff game. I'm 30 years old. I'm closer to 31 than I am to 30, Aaron. This is one of the most humiliating experiences I can imagine for any fan of any team. It's not just that you're losing. It's not just that you're losing badly. It's that anybody that follows this sport is following along and they are watching and they are laughing and they've gone from laughing to now they just feel bad for you and that is the worst thing you can do when every fan of every other team in the organization they don't even feel good about you guys losing they just feel bad for you you are the charity case of the nba which is ironic because you know tom gorris Uh, gets money from selling phone calls to prisoners so uh, ironic Uh, maybe he can you know donate a hundred thousand dollars to fans of the team next time instead of building another park in downtown detroit maybe that'll do something I i want reparations for for what he's done to this franchise and i don't know if the stink will ever leave like i said look at the next winnable game san antonio spurs 35 games. You could be looking at Aaron and if they lose that one the the odds on the Pistons not winning another game for the rest of the year are like plus 10,000. I had to talk myself out of putting $50 on it today. That is where we're at with this team. Um yeah, I mean and look, you talk about Monty Williams I mean, I guess it's just like it's baffling that we went into the season saying, oh, man, the Pistons have too many point guards on the roster. And then you look out there and to end the third quarter and to begin the fourth quarter, they are playing Marcus Sasser and Alec Burks as the two guards on the floor. What 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 else can you say about that? They don't have a point guard on the floor. They have like five point guards on the roster. What has this team come to this is organization is an embarrassment this roster is an embarrassment and every single day that troy weaver continues to have his job is a slap in the face to the fans of this team to the people that cover it to the people that watch one game a year even you are spitting in their face you're saying we don't care we don't care we took your money already season ticket holders we don't care show up to the game boo the team we don't care we're going to get you at the concession stand anyway. Hey, the only person I think that's happy about this this losing streak are the good folks over at Wingstop because they've saved themselves a hell of a lot of money because of Tom, Tom Gorris and Troy Weaver. I don't really know what there else there is to say. I, I don't even put it on the players at this point. Like, how can I be mad at James Wiseman for doing nothing in 15 minutes of play? He shouldn't be on the court at all. He shouldn't have been traded for. He should have been... He should be in the G League right now. He should be in Bosnia right now, hanging out wherever the hell Bojan Bogdanovic goes to in the offseason when his leg gets snapped in half. There is nothing else to say other than the team needs to be sold. This roster needs to be completely rebuilt. You talk about Asar Thompson and all his effort and how much he's struggling. How do you expect him to get better when he's sharing minutes with James Wiseman, and the two guards on the floor can't play point guard. How do you expect that player to gain confidence offensively? How do you expect them to grow? How do you expect them to find easy looks? They can't. There's nothing they can do. This this team is beyond broken. This fan base is beyond broken. They're at the point right now where they're muting the mics, the crowd mics on, on the TV, and you can still hear the sell-the-team chants. They're booing Monty Williams during the starting lineup uh, introductions. There is nowhere to go from here. There is nowhere to go from here. What you need to do is do what the Romans did to Carthage, burn it to the ground and sow salt in the soil so nothing can grow. Nothing. And you need to just completely rebuild, do something completely different. I don't care what they do. I just know that Tom Gorris and Troy Weaver cannot be a part of it. Whatever the future holds, those two men cannot be involved in it, period. Well, look, the the, the bad news,
0: uh, the worst news than the bad news, the bad news being losing 25 straight with no end in sight. Uh, the worst news to that is Troy Weaver is not on the hot seat right now from what we've been told. We've been told, and I mean we as in, you know, followers of the team from those with information, a.k.a. the beat writers, uh, that there is not pressure right now to remove Troy Weaver from his position with the team, nor Monty Williams from his. Uh, They obviously want to get better, and and they want this team to get better, and that's more likely to happen via a trade than – replacing a GM or coach despite maybe our disagreement with that because I think we're in lockstep there as if you have listened to the first 15-20 minutes of this podcast you've maybe picked up on it does seem like a trade is coming for this team and I don't think we're talking about a small one I think it for what it's being for how much it's been talked about I think it has to be somewhat significant and there's been a handful of names tossed around i'd say the most popular ones are zach levine and jeremy grant Uh, levine his tenure with chicago seems like it's ending as soon as possible the chicago bulls are playing the best basketball that they've played this year without him Uh, they just won again tonight against san antonio just after beating the lakers and kobe white who's now starting in in levine's spot is playing the best basketball of his career he's breaking out there's even murmurs of his all-star candidacy which i will support because i'm watching him play and i'm watching the way the bulls play and they just are a completely different team right now uh i could go on a tangent i'll stop there but the bulls have been awesome uh but zach levine is is Probably the biggest name, the most popular name tied to Detroit. Jeremy Grant's another one. Obviously already had his tenure with Detroit. A lot of the speculation and reporting around uh, Jeremy Grant coming back is based off his very strong relationship with Troy Weaver. But we've also heard that Portland is very reluctant to trade Jeremy Grant right now, despite re-signing him in the offseason, expecting that Damian Lillard would be back. There are a few other names that I think are starting to gain some steam. Laurie Markin from the Jazz, one of them, a guy that I would absolutely love on this team, but I don't know if Detroit uh has the assets. And if they do, then I don't know if they should meet the asking price. We can talk about that more. Um and then DeJounte Murray from Atlanta, another guy that is starting to, I'm starting to hear at least people talk about as a guy Detroit could or should trade for. Assuming there is a trade coming for Detroit Jasper, what who should they be looking at, whether it's a player name or a player archetype? And who are the pieces that are getting dealt for someone that you're anticipating having a sizable contract and a guy that would have a sizable role on this team?
1: Uh, I don't know. Can they build a time machine and go back in time and kidnap Michael Jordan space jam style? Because I Look at it. I mean, that's the only thing that can save him at this point. Like, yeah, I'd I'd like Laurie Markkinen. Um, DeJounte Murray has been very up and down in Atlanta. I still like him as a player. I think there's a couple things that go into this, though. One, I don't know how you can expect a player the Pistons trade for in the middle of this season to come in and have any sort of a desire to play for this franchise. Like, I, I don't know how you as a player can be excited at all to be in Detroit and feel like you have any sort of ability, even if you're a star, to turn this situation around. And I think that that's a huge issue with what's going on right now. This team has no confidence. Zero. You can see it in their body language. They have absolutely no belief that they can win basketball games. And I just don't see how Laurie Markinen does that. Another thing that you say is I don't know if they even have the assets to trade for somebody like Laurie Markkinen. If that is not, it, just as much of an indictment on the job that Troy Weaver has done as this current record is, I don't know what else is. Because you've had four off-seasons, four off-seasons now. Sorry, three off-seasons. No, 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 four off-seasons to build up this roster. To build up your war chest, to build up your assets, and you don't even have enough to trade for one all star without completely gutting your roster, without trading away Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Astar Thompson, Jalen Duran. Like realistically, it's going to take two of those guys. I think Cade is the only one that could get you an all star level player in return one for one. I I don't genuinely think anybody else on this roster could even get you close to that and that is the ultimate indictment of what Troy Weaver said he came in here to do which was tear down the roster build up the assets and create something where you could either a have young stars or b consolidate those stars uh those young players for an established star you cannot do either of those things right now realistically in my opinion to answer your question I've been very long-winded about it. I would like Laurie Markkinen. I would be okay with DeJounte Murray. I am not interested in Zach Levine. I, I think what's happening in Chicago right now should tell you exactly why you should be wary of, of bringing him onto your roster. He's a good player, but like, I, I think exactly what you're saying about the Bulls like shows just how much value he brings when he's not fully engaged. I do not think he will be anywhere close to engaged with this Pistons team. I think he will be absolutely miserable. And I think he'll be sitting out games as soon as he possibly can. Um, I mean, it's going to be like Vietnam, like guys getting out of the draft. Laurie Markkinen is going to like break his leg in half but when he gets told that he's getting traded to Detroit so he can fail the physical. That That's where I think we're at. Um, if you could, I, I think if you're going to get somebody like a Laurie Markkinen back, it's going to have to be... Jaden and Ivey and probably, probably a SAR if we're, if we're being honest, because I don't know what else you can trade without moving Cade Cunningham because you don't have picks to move at this point right now as well. Um, I, I don't think Utah is going to be interested in a 2027 first rounder. I just don't think they are. So, yeah, that's really where I'm at, Aaron. I don't know if you have another another view of it, but I do not see a realistic trade that could get them to anything over. I mean, I feel stupid for saying 15 wins this year. I don't even know if that's possible.
0: Yeah. I kind of hate for the sake of the podcast. I kind of hate how much we are in agreement here. Uh, Lori is definitely the first guy on the list that I'd want. And DeJounte Murray is, is, is right there behind him. Um, Agree on Zach Levine as well. Don't want him near this team. I don't see how he helps this team uh, with the way that he likes to play. And just again, Chicago is what seven and three or eight and two since he's stepped off the court. Uh, and they're just playing a completely different brand of basketball than Zach Levine taking 70 percent of the possessions and damar taking 20 and then the rest are kind of filled out by whatever but they're just playing much better basketball without him and that's not the kind of guy that i think the pistons need to bring in uh i think you have to accept whether it's you're the front office or the coaching staff or even as fans i think you have to accept that although it'd be nice to say Kate Cunningham's off the table. Asar Thompson's off the table. Jalen Duran's off the table. Jaden Ivey's off the table. There's no war chest beyond them to make a move that matters. You are not getting Larry Markkinen without giving up some combination of Duran, Thompson, Ivy, Stewart, Sasser, and Picks. Maybe Cade's off the table. That would be the only one that I could say, fine, I get it. You believe he's your guy or one of your guys if you get another star, so be it. No one else has done enough to say that they're off the table. I know there's a lot of love within the organization for Jalen Durant, and I think he's a really good young center, but he still has his shortcomings. And one of them is that he struggled to stay on the court throughout two seasons in the league. These needs are really becoming an issue. And we've obviously seen that the organization doesn't love everything in Jade and Ivy. We hear conflicting reports all the time on who was in on Ivy and who was out. Uh, I think that they were, I think Troy was at least seemingly hoping Keegan Murray was just going to be there at five. But uh, that didn't happen. And then as much as we like Asar Thompson, as much as he came on the scene and looked like he was going to help this team a ton and right away, uh, it's just hard to, to see what he what he is is doing out there offensively and say that there's a clear path to him long-term being the two-way wing that this team needs. So obviously you don't want to have to give multiple of those guys away. But if you're trying to acquire talent, it takes assets to get talent. And so if the Pistons want to take that jump that they have supposedly wanted to take, they're gonna have to start consolidating some of these guys and and turning picks and these players into all-star level players
1: around Kate Cunningham. So I, I Aaron, think Aaron, you say Go ahead. No, sorry, I was gonna say you say picks and players. They don't have picks. They don't have picks. To trade, they don't have an extra first rounder, they don't even have their first rounder. I I it's just like I think at this point we talk about consolidating moves. I think it needs to be the other way around. I think you need to start offloading anything you can for picks at this point because whether it's a new have GM or God, God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I what else? I mean, Boyan is gonna get you what at this point, realistically, like a late, like a late 20s first rounder at this point, because you can see it despite what all the, despite what certain beat writers and the organization try to sell us on, believe it or not, he's not that much of a difference maker when your entire roster is broken from top to bottom. Um, I I just, I I think think you have to, like I said, like you have to acquire picks. You have to have picks because that's the only way that you can either acquire new young talent Or, B, get an established star at this point. Like, you have to start acquiring picks, I think. I I think it has to be the other way around. It can't be a Levine. It has to be picks.
0: It's not that I don't agree with your philosophy of, like, they need some picks. They need some assets. Uh, Troy Weaver would be single handedly turning in his resignation letter, if he starts trading his most recent lottery picks, top five picks, for for future picks. Like, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't see that a I don't see that being a uh, possible course of action for this team, considering where they're at and what needs to happen. And I mean, if, Luke, I don't, if they don't have the war chest to to really go out and get a guy, but at the same time, how do you sell trading Jaden Ivey for future draft picks? How do you sell trading Asar Thompson for future draft picks? Not just to the fans, but to to the top guys if Tom Gores has, uh, has any idea what's going on, which reportedly he does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, according to who? His brother's wife? Um No, I, I, I get what you're saying there, Aaron. But for me, it's like, hey, if you can lose 30 straight games and not lose your job, what will lose your job at this point? Really? Like, I, I get what you're saying there. I think you're probably right where it's like that is the only thing that he can hold on to at this point. But like if you set the the not even the single season, the all time losing streak record, if you have the worst record in NBA history, if you lose 35 straight games and basically set a record that will realistically speaking, never be broken in the history of the NBA from here on out and you don't lose your job like what will lose your job what will i i don't know i think the other thing
0: to consider in this scenario is if if you're kate cunningham and you're seeing them punt on these young guys for future picks you're likely looking at the situation and saying hey i'll sign my extension but i i want out and whether you, you know, if you don't believe he's the guy or you don't believe he's worth the contract, and I think there are definitely some people out there that feel that way. Maybe that's not a big deal to you. But for others that still believe he is the guy for this organization, like, that's a disaster. That's a disaster to, because I, I think that would be a very legitimate reaction from him in his camp. Cade wants to win. He's made that very clear. And the way that he's playing right now signifies that. I I just think he wants to 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 start winning. I don't think he's ready to stomach trading off these guys if it doesn't mean they're get they're getting immediate help for him.
1: No, because like I said on the opening to this podcast, Troy Weaver is a coward. He's a complete coward. He does not take responsibility. He is zero accountability from him since day one for any of the moves that he's made. Um, and to be fair, let's be honest the fan base wasn't calling for it. Um, we were hearing the trust and Troy stuff basically up until this offseason when his big move was to trade for, for Joe Harris. And then I think you really started seeing the mainstream consensus go against him. But like, I remember how many people were defending the James Wiseman trade were defending the Marvin Bagley acquisition, the the, the Marvin Bagley extension, all, all these things, all these moves that were garbage from day one and, and, anyone with any idea of how the nba works i'm not saying that we are brilliant aaron we are not we are fans but god we we watch basketball for god's sake and like you know what works you know what can't work and we knew from for a long time for years now that this was not going to work and you have just like i said zero accountability from this front office zero responsibility taken You have Tom Gorris, MIA. You have Troy Weaver slinking off to whatever hole he crawled out of by halftime because he knows exactly what's going to happen. Um, And, and at this point, it's just like, I I don't, I don't know what's going to change. I I, I mean, what, maybe Mike Valenti can rip on the team another 50 times. I, I genuinely do not know if sell the team chance being reported on, by mainstream NBA guys on Twitter is not going to force a change. I genuinely do not know what will. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Truly, and it sucks to like feel like we need to end this podcast with nothing positive. But what is there positive? Kate Cunningham had two nice games in a row. I think he's looked a lot better as of late, and Boyan Bogdanovich helped a lot with that. If there is a path forward, it's you can see. Surrounding Cade with shooters, like we have always said, is the best thing you can do. Um, but I don't trust this front office to do it because the shooter they brought in this off is getting DNP CDs. You don't so, trust front office to do it because they haven't done it.
0: They haven't. They've refused to do it. They've actively tried to do the exact opposite. The opposite. Yeah. It's the utmost importance to them that they build around two bigs, like Cleveland does. It's obviously really not going all too well in Cleveland right now with their two bigs. Uh, and again, as I've said before when we brought that up, Jalen Duren and Isaiah Stewart do not equal Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen. So, Kate has been absolutely incredible. Uh, maybe not incredible. He's been very, very good the last, what, eight, nine games? He's being more aggressive. He's hunting his shots. He's shooting at a much higher percentage. He did have six turnovers tonight against Utah, but in general, he's done a better job taking care of the basketball. There's been a sect of people and even national guys talking about maybe Cade's really not all that, and maybe Cade needs to get out of Detroit and play in a lesser role and things of that nature, and You know, I think the last eight or nine games have reversed that sort of thought process, at least in my mind, if there were any thoughts of, oh, maybe Cade isn't as good as we've said. And and the other thing here is Cade did not play 70 games last year. He was out rehabbing, gotten surgery and rehabbing on a knee. He is just getting back and playing and now it's been 30 games and you know i think it maybe took him those first 15 20 games because we're seeing now over the last eight or nine now that he's had 15 20 games under his belt okay his he's a little bit more aware of where he needs to be what he can do how he can get to his spots where he can pick his spots and we're seeing the numbers reflect that and and i think we'll see even better numbers for him, even if it's not maybe more points per game, but I think you'll see better efficiency for him. If you put better players around him, I mean, we saw it down the stretch in the Utah game, like we see in every fourth quarter teams really commit to just dumping everyone in the paint and saying, you kick the ball out to Isaiah Stewart and let's see what he
1: does with it. Yeah. And and I, I, Oh, it works. It it works. Again, they have the worst offensive. Yeah, well, that's, and again, the the Pistons have the worst um, offensive rating of any team of the league in the the fourth quarter, final five minutes in crunch time. uh, Their, I believe their offensive rating is like 61, something in that range. It's abysmal. It's an, an abject disaster. And of course, and it's not like rocket science. If anyone could figure it out, Pack the paint, make the other guy shoot, force the ball out of Cade's hands, or put three defenders on him, you know, once he drives into the lane. Uh, But yeah, it's been much better since Boyan returned. I will say, like, obviously the results in terms of wins haven't been there, but the results for Cade have. A true shooting percentage of 51% uh, before Boyan came back. Last nine games, he's actually been closer to 58% true shooting, which is above league average. Uh, especially for point guards, point guards are around 56% true shooting. So he's been above average. Uh, the turnovers have gone way down. Like you said, he had six tonight, but this is only his second game with more than um, three turnovers uh, in his last nine games. So that has been much improved since Boyan returned. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me for tonight, um, but he's averaging like two and a half turnovers per game and still averaging seven assists. So you're seeing a lot of those inefficiencies that people are really harping on start to become a lot more tolerable. And, you know, the, the progression's in line with what you expect from a third-year player, I think, at this point. So I do think you're going to start Seeing that national consensus on oh is Cade not this is he not that is he inefficient is he a bust blah 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 I think you're going to start seeing a lot of that talk go away as long as he can continue this kind of production with similar efficiency, um, but other than that, I I just don't even know what to take away as positives. I guess hearing sell the team chits on TV is a positive because. Maybe Tom Gorris will listen.
0: Yeah, in uh, in another world, maybe, maybe. But I'm glad we could be so merry and jolly on our Christmas podcast. Uh, definitely brought the Christmas spirit to the table today. As the Pistons drop 25 in a row, the end nowhere near in sight for this team and for this organization. I think with that, we're at a good spot to wrap up this week's podcast. Mike, if you're listening, we missed you. Our other co-host, Mike Angolano, wasn't on the show this week. We missed him. Hopefully, we can get all three of us back next week as we talk more Pistons, as always, a joy. (laughs) Even when it doesn't really seem like it, I don't know what I would do without being able to talk about the Pistons on a weekly basis basis with you fellas. And, look, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, let us know what you're thinking. If you're, if you're watching or listening on YouTube, talk to us in the comments. Tell us what you think about the losing streak. What needs to change? Who needs to go? Who needs to be brought in? You know, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, come over to us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons, at A. Johnson NBA, at Blade Cunningham on X. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about what we said. We know we always get some spirited comments in the youtube section and we certainly do appreciate the support and the in the talk in the sections even if you guys don't always agree with what we have to say but just hearing us and listening to the show and supporting us does mean the world to us so with that thank you so much to listening to another edition of the palace of pistons podcast brought to you by believe again thank you to our weekly sponsor pet online for supporting us during this week's show and we will see you guys next week for another edition of the Palace of Distance podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe.